We have the great privilege of being able to open up God's Word and hear from Him this morning. And so we are going into the Old Testament, and we are looking at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 12, uh, 1 through 3. This is the call of Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Increasingly, I hear uh, many statements like this. I don't need the church. I can worship God on my own. I can find Jesus on the beach. So why do I need to be with other people? Increasingly, those statements are being declared with great passion by those who claim to identify as Christ followers. In fact, LifeWay Research has found that over 65% of churchgoers agreed with the statement that I can follow God without other believers. 65%. And of that 65, 35% agreed with it strongly. So there is an increasing pattern, it seems, in our, uh, particularly our Western style of Christianity here in the United States, where more and more we can just simply go uh, onto our uh, phones or our tablets or our TVs and we can find uh, the greatest preachers. We can find the most spirited music. We can discover the most inspirational devotions, all from our own house and, well, even sometimes from our own, even, bedroom, sleep, staying in our bed. And it seems that we have adopted this idea that we don't need other people to grow in our faith, to follow God, and that we can live out our faith as the individual rather than the communal. And so what we need to recognize this morning as we turn to God's Word is that God's call on our lives as we tend to uh, adopt this individualistic view of faith, we need to recognize that God's call on our lives as we come into faith in Him is that it is a call to community. And so many of us this morning need to think about how do we need to move from me to we? Do you need to move this morning from me to we? Are you living your faith apart from this community? We see here in the first, uh, in the, from the very beginning, in this call of Abraham, the call to live as community. Abram is living in a place called Ur. He's 75 years old. Life is good for Abram. 
He's made a name for himself. He's a fixture of the community. He's uh, taken life as it comes to him. The only downside, really, is that he and his wife, uh, Sarah, have not been able to have a child. But they are now 75, and they're well past childbearing years, and so they've accepted this, and they're content, and they're happily living their life as uh, there in the land of Ur. And into the midst of this routine of life, Yahweh, the God Almighty, comes to Abram, and he says to Abram, I will make you into a great, and what's the word? I will make you into a great nation. That's community, isn't it? That's people. That's a collection. You can't be a nation alone. I will make you into a nation, and he says at the bottom, the very purpose is that you, that all the peoples on earth will be what? They will be blessed through you. You see God's intent from the very beginning? I'm going to call a nation of people to myself, and through this nation, you collectively are going to bless and be a blessing to the world. Life goes on for Abram. Another 24 years, in fact. If you're doing any math, he's now 99 years old. And, but God, in this point, as he's 99 years old, comes to him and says, Abram, you remember that promise I made to you 24 years ago? Oh, yeah, Lord, you told me, what you tell me? You told me I was going to be a father of nations. I, God, I don't have any children, and now I'm 99. This is certainly not going to happen now. And God comes to him, he says, oh no, Abram, in uh, chapter 12, uh, chapter 17, God again says to Abram, he says, you, in verse 3, he says again, this is my covenant with you, in verse 3, this is my promise with you that I told you, you will be the father of many nations. That's the promise, I'm going to work my purposes through you, Abram, by creating a nation. And God then says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham. That's a subtle shift. But Abraham means, get this, exalted father. Right? You're 99 years old. You've had no children. And God is saying, your name's going to be called exalted father. And of course, we see what happens in verse 17. Abraham fell face down and he laughed to himself Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? <laughs> and God said, yes. And Abraham and Sarah have a child. That child is Isaac. And Isaac has a son who is called Jacob. Jacob then has 12 sons. And those 12 sons come together and form what? They form a nation. The nation of Israel. God was true to his promises. He said, I'm going to make a nation. And he created a nation through the line of Abraham. And this nation of Israel was to be a blessing to the world. That was God's intent from the very beginning. And we see this continued almost 430 years later, God reiterates this again at the foot of Mount Sinai. If you jump ahead in your word, if you're looking for this, 
Uh, We find that in Exodus 19. God gathers his people at the foot of Mount Sinai. There is thunder. There is lightning. There is clouds. There is smoke because God is showing up on the scene. There is trumpet blasts. And of course, we know from the book of Leviticus that all the people had to cleanse themselves because they were coming in the face of a holy God, God Almighty coming to them. And I believe that this is the only time, recorded time, that we find that God gathered the entire community of his people and spoke audibly to them. Could you imagine what a moment this was to stand at that mountain in front of God? And God comes to his people. And God says to Moses, he says again, he says, you are going to be a nation. Now in verse 5, 19 verse 5, he says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, you follow me, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. He says, I'm calling you right here to be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, You, this community, all of you together, who call on the name of Yahweh, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You're special. You're my community. And through you, as you follow me, as you begin to show the world my righteousness, my right ways, as you begin to exhibit how we do life together in my kingdom, You will bless the other nations because they will say, I want that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be in that community. And they were to bless the whole world by being a nation that exemplified the purposes of God in a visible way. As we move into the New Testament, I feel that there is no doubt that the New Testament authors saw that the church... And what is the church in Greek? It's ecclesia, the called out ones. It's people, not a building. The church is the people, all the people, all the ones who are called out, all those people, that community, all those people, they saw that the church was a continuation of God's purposes in the Old Testament. Only now you did not enter into this nation by following the laws of Moses. You didn't enter into this nation by being born into the family. But rather you entered into this nation by being born again through Jesus Christ into this holy family. And all those who believed in the name of Jesus Christ were saved not to go to heaven in particular, but they were saved to be a part of this community. And this community was to do what? It was to bless the nations. In Jesus' words, to be salt, flavor the world, to be light, shine a light on God's will and God's ways. You, my people, you, Jesus called it, my body. You can't be a body by yourself. The other New Testament images are a family can't be a family by yourself another new testament image is a building can't be a building by yourself 
I believe the entire New Testament understood that this, that this body that Jesus Christ came for to, to build, he said, I have come to build my church, and on this the powers of Hades will not stand against it. This community, I came here. I died for this community. So that through me they can be together and achieve the purposes of God. That all those New Testament authors understood that we were connected to the story of Abram and Abraham. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, this story is our story. In fact, Paul in Galatians calls God's people the Israel of God. And notice in 1 Peter, <coughs> excuse me, 1 Peter 2, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter 2 9. And notice how Peter refers to God's people. He said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Do those words ring a bell? That's Old Testament language, isn't it? That's the same Old Testament language of God calling his people into community as a nation. It's his special possession to be his blessing to the world. One of my favorite features of the Holy Land is the olive tree. Olive trees dot the landscape uh, all throughout Israel. And there, uh, clearly there were more uh, olive trees in the land back in the Bible than there is even today. And olive trees can live to be a thousand years old. And they are incredibly abundant in that region because their root system goes deep and so they can grow on the hills, they can grow in the dirt, they can grow without much water. They're across the land, and we know from reading our Bible that the Hebrew uh, economic system was dependent upon the olive trees. They used the olive oil for lighting, they uh, used it for eating, they used it for medicine, they used it for moisturizing. Olive oil was a key part of their uh, economy and so olive trees are all over the landscape here is a picture of our uh, group when we were in Israel in the middle of an olive grove this olive grove was called the Garden of Gethsemane the Garden of Gethsemane Gethsemane means uh, olive press and this was the place where Jesus went amongst these olive trees and where Jesus himself get the analogy, was pressed to the point where he shed tears of blood as he struggled with the call that God had put on his life. And we as a group were able to take some special time there and have communion in the Garden of Gethsemane and consider the call of Jesus on our life and what Jesus had done uh, for us. The good news is, community, we're going back to Israel in 2022. We bumped it because of COVID. And so I just want to encourage you right now, when you get this generous stimulus coming after the first of the year, put it away in the bank and plan on coming to Israel with us. It'll be the trip of a lifetime for you, and you will begin to see the Bible come alive in ways that you never imagined. 
But we have these olive trees that are abundant through the land. And so often is the scripture, as you find out, they're using what's there in the geography in the region to teach about God. And Paul does this in Romans chapter 11. He points to an olive tree. He says, I want you to look at this olive tree. And, and as you understand that we're not doing a new thing or a separate thing, but that as you come to faith in Jesus, you are connected to the story of Abraham, what I want you to do is look at that olive tree. And what you see happening there in the olive tree is that they graft branches into an olive tree that has stopped producing. And so you have a trunk of an olive tree that is deep and it has deep roots and it's solid and it's stable, but yet it hasn't been producing fruit. They will take a wild branch that is growing up and you can see that they will cut it in, mend it in, and graft it into the tree so that it will start bearing fruit and be productive. And Paul points to that tree and he says, that's who you are. You who have put your faith in Jesus Christ. You are this branch that's been grafted into the tree of Judaism. You've been grafted into the call in the story of Abraham. You've been, you've been called to attach your roots to that story through Jesus Christ now. And you are called to begin producing fruit in the world so that you can bless people. And Paul says, no, there's not Christians and Jews. There's not two trees. There's one tree. We are one nation called through the purposes of God to bless the world. The Old Testament is our story. The Old Testament is the story of Jesus. It is the whole teaching of the Bible is, belongs to the community of God. And so I hope you can begin to see that as we work our way through the scriptures, there is no question that our faith is not to be lived simply as a me. But our faith is meant to be lived as a we. We are called into this nation, into this community. That is the thinking of the, the, all the Bible writers. It is the, the theology of the Bible. It is the purposes of God. Uh, you cannot deny this. And so it simply doesn't hold water to say, I don't need the church. I can walk with God, but I don't need other believers because Jesus and God would have something else to say about it, and that would be, uh-uh. When you are saved, when you are born again, you are brought into this You are brought into this family. You don't get a choice. I have that all the time here. People say, well, I want to give my faith to Jesus Christ. I want to follow Jesus. But, like at some plague, I don't want to belong to the church. I don't want to be a member of the church. And our response is always, well, that can't happen. Sorry. You have to be a member of our church because that's the way God designed it and that's God's purposes. But there are many of us who may think that. That I don't need the church. And I'm not saying this church. I'm saying the body of Christ, the called out ones, the community of all God's people. We need that church. You are in that church. And I hope that you can see that here in the scriptures. I mean, just imagine we get to uh, next summer and Detroit has their, uh, the Lions, uh, sadly, who won't be playing today again for the 
35th year. I uh, won't be in the playoffs. Not bitter. Um, but imagine that the line, it's, I don't know if it's 35 years. It feels like it. Uh, it's probably longer, actually. I gave them grace this morning, right? Uh, that they now have earned themselves the seventh-round draft pick, and we just hope that they don't choose a wide receiver because we've had the, they've drafted enough wide receivers that have been bust over the years. We hope that they draft somebody like Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, and they draft him as their seventh-round draft choice. And he stands at the podium on that day next to, next to the commissioner. He's like, yes, I'm a Detroit Lions seventh-round draft pick. But then next summer, Micah, he never shows up to training camp. But he's wearing his jersey, I'm a lion. He never comes to training camp. He never goes to practice. I'm a lion. He never sits down. He never learns the playbook. He never learns the the defense, what they need to do. He never learns uh, what kind of coverage they're in. He doesn't learn anything about the coverage. But he's like, no, I'm with you, lions. I'm there. I'm with you, lions. It comes to the first game, and he's not on the field. He didn't suit up, no shoulder pads, no equipment, but he's at home, he's on the couch, he's got, I'm a lion, there I am, go lions. We would walk up to Micah, would we not, and we would look him in the face and say, you're not, you're not a Detroit lion, because if you were a Detroit lion, you'd be with the team. If you were a Detroit Lion, you would be on the field playing. If you were a Detroit Lion, you'd be in the game. You would be part of it. Are you on the team? Are you on Team Jesus? Because there is a lot of us who adopt that same mentality. We adopt that same posture. And we think that we are a Christian. We are a Jesus follower but we are not participating in any way with the church that Jesus came and died for. We're not participating in any way. We're not involved and connected in community in any way with the believers of God. With the <coughs> excuse me. That's a dangerous place to be in that we in our lives reject the very community that Jesus gave his life for. And yet many of us are doing that, trying to live our faith apart from community and claiming to be a Christ follower. I hope you see the disconnect there this morning because that just doesn't settle. And yet somehow I see this happening all across the landscape of America and infiltrating the culture of Christianity here, especially in the United States, that I can be a Christian and I can be apart from the community. I don't personally believe that can happen. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to love the very things Jesus loves. And Jesus loves his people. And it's here in this community, it becomes the crucible where Faith is worked out, where our character is refined. I know it can be bad at times, right? We've all been burned by people in the church, haven't we? I've probably burned you at a time or two and said things inappropriately or didn't respond in the way that you want to. And if I did, I apologize for that. I didn't mean to, but you know what? We're all sinners. 
We're trying to live into what Jesus calls us to do, but until he comes again, there's going to be some imperfections in here. But as we love each other, as we forgive each other, as we extend grace to one another, we begin to model a different kind of community than what we saw demonstrated on the streets of our capital this week, don't we? And people will say, I don't want to be anything like that capital, that experience there. I don't want to be a part of that division. I don't want to be a part of that. But are we as a community giving people an alternative? Are they able to see a different way of living, a community that loves each other, a community where, oh my goodness, a Democrat can sit next to a Republican and worship the same God together? Can we give them that kind of community? Can we show them what the nation, what the people of God look like and then give the glory to God? This is God's intent for us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote uh, a great book on uh, doing life together, says this, Christian community is not an ideal which must we must realize, okay? So he's saying, hey, we're not thinking I can choose to be part of community. I can realize this in my life whether I, if I want to or, or, or choose not to. But he says instead it is rather a reality created by God, which we covered this morning, right? God created this community by God in Jesus Christ in which we may participate. God is saying, here it is. Here's the community. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, to be found in and through him, to be born again, you may come into this community and I'll be a part of my will and my way and my purposes and my mission to the world. That's the invite that God is asking for all of us. For some of us this morning, we need to make the move from me to we. I get it that there are seasons of life where you may not be able to participate and connect with the community. We're in, I think we're in one of those seasons right now. But it's just a season. And as soon as that season is over, every part of your being, because you are found in Jesus Christ, you love what Jesus loves, and you love the things that God loves, you're going to connect with community to do life together, to do mission together, to grow together. Because that's the purposes of God. It's time for us, believers in Jesus Christ, to drop this notion that I can live as a me. And we need to embrace the truth of God's word that we need to do life together as a we. God, we thank you for your word here this morning. And we thank you for your promises that we read this morning. That you are so faithful in your promises. Many of us through those times, like Abraham, would have been questioning whether you were true to your promises. And God, we know, and we see that you always are faithful to your promises. And God, we as your community here today, hold on to the promise that one day this life will be over here on this earth. That all the brokenness and pain and hurt and hate and division, all of that will be gone when your kingdom comes to reign and we will be gathered together as one nation, one people, one community of yours, your, your special possession. And we'll be gathered before your throne 
proclaiming one name, and that's Jesus Christ. And God, we so look forward to that day. And we know that you will be faithful to that promise. And so God, we ask that we as a community gathered here at Orchard Hill, representing you in this place at this time, would live into your will and your purposes well. God, we pray that would reign through us as your Holy Spirit, and it would be a Holy Spirit that would be a spirit of unity. That there would be no discord to be found in this church family. And God, if uh, we are a part of that in any way, if we are looking across the room or we're thinking about our brother and sister in Christ that we are just angry at, that we are harboring something against them, God, may we lay that at the altar this morning and leave it there. Because we know that's exactly how you look at us. You leave it there. May you bind us together in love. Fill us with joy. Bring us your peace. Allow us to be a people of grace. God, shape us and form us into a community that here on this hill in Walker is a light for this city. And we know in the years ahead, God, that more in uh, in an increasing manner, we are going to have to be that light and be that community. And so I want to pray for those this morning that need to make the bold choice to step from me to we. And sometimes it's scary to be vulnerable, to connect. But God, I pray that your spirit would give them the boldness, that you would give them the, the courage to do that. For those who have been burned by the church, God, would you fill them with a measure of grace this morning? And would you fill their hearts where they are able to forgive others so they can step back into community? God, for whatever reason we have, in whatever way the enemy is whispering into our ear, we push him back in this very day and ask that you unite us together as one family in Jesus Christ to be your people here in Walker. Come, Lord Jesus. May we serve you well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Pastor Bob, for that message this morning. Timely of unity. This next song we're going to sing is a new one called Unity. You can listen to the verse and join in on the choruses. I think you'll be able to follow along.
Yeah, and all God's people said together, amen, amen. amen. Thank you for leading us in a beautiful worship uh, this morning. I hope that uh, you've been blessed, and we do want to encourage you in this month to group up. Uh, you may be wondering, how are we doing that in a time of pandemic? But uh, we have some rooms that are set aside. We, got, we bought some uh, air purifiers that are in those rooms. We have a fogger that is cleaning and sanitizing those rooms. We have tables that you each individually sit at, six feet apart from one another. You wear your masks into the room. And uh, so we believe that they are safe environments for us uh, to engage in. And of course, if you're still a little uh, gun shy about things, we understand that. And many of our leaders will offer their class so you can zoom in as well. We do want you to connect. So stop by the table uh, right out there and see all the groups you can sign up for or go online or check out our new app that you can uh, find them on as well. People of God, let us uh, go here uh, from this place. Together as one, right? We're one. We are one uh, community. And not only do we love each other as one, but we love the world as God loves the world. And God gave his life for this world. And so let us go and be a light to Jesus Christ and to his church, which he gave his life for in this week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his blessing. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a sweet week, everybody.